In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. When you sign up for BP Me Rewards, you can get five cents off every gallon of gas every time at BP or Amico stations. That means more savings and more whatever you'd like to use your savings on. So treat yourself. It's on us. Visit bp.com slash save to learn more. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Now, this week, ladies and gentlemen, we will be discussing possibly what you'd call a prank, um, although I don't think anything in the Second World War could be classed as a prank, um, but this is what we're going to cover. We're going to cover um, one of the RAF's missions in the Second World War called Operation Squabble. Now... Many of you probably haven't heard of this. It is a, a bit of a fun episode. It's going to be probably a short episode because it's not a massive operation, but it is very, very interesting. Now, we'll put it into a bit of perspective. Operation Squabble was supposed to happen in spring 1942. And during 1942, France was under the occupation of Germany. Now, with this, the Germans used to do um, a daily parade. Now, for those of you who know Paris a little bit, they used to parade roughly between quarter past twelve and quarter to one um, down the Champs-Élysées. Now, the Champs-Élysées is the main street in Paris. Um, it's a very wide street, and it uh, has the Arc de Triomphe at the end. Now, the British didn't really know much about this until there was uh, information given to them by uh, Major Ben Calburn, who was part of the SOE, the Special Operations Executive. And he came back to the British and said, look, the Germans do this every day. They march up and down the streets of Paris and they do it to basically to show the French that they were, they were there. You know, it was to really demoralise the French and show them that Germany was the real power. Um, the English came up with a pretty daring mission, and this is the plan of the mission. Now, this is why it's such an interesting story. This was designed to send a Bristol Bowfighter, which is a twin-engined fighter jet, over England into France down the Champs-Élysées, shoot the German soldiers that are along the Champs-Élysées, and then to drop a French flag over the Arc de Triomphe. This was the point. This is what they wanted to do. And it was to show the French that the English were 
still there. The Allies were still paying attention and they were still interested in what was going on in France. You know, they were still coming to save them. You know, at this point, France had been under occupation for, for two years. Um, they were probably for, thought that the, you know, the British had forgotten about them and weren't interested. And it was just basically to boost the French morale and boost the British morale. And this was the plan. So they called in a man called Flight Lieutenant Gatwood. Now Gatwood was, he was one of the best pilots we had. King Gatwood, like I said, he, he was he was a very, very experienced pilot, but he also had experience in what counted for this mission. He had experience in low-level daylight attacks, which is what they were planning on doing. So the essential plan was to fly at roughly wave height across the English Channel. And then when they get to France, to fly at roughly housetop height. So you're talking maybe 30 feet the entire way to Paris, just so they avoid radar detection. Now, the Bristol Bow Fighter is a very, very important uh, plane. And it's sort of a very underrated plane when we talk about the the Second World War, especially when we look at the British planes. Most people tend to see the bow fighter as, you know, more of like a workhorse type of plane. It was it it was a bomber and it was a fighter. It wasn't necessarily the best, it wasn't necessarily the worst, but it certainly wasn't the most famous. The advantage it had was twin engines. Now the twin engines meant that obviously it could fly a little bit further than the Spitfires, the Hurricanes and things like that. And also it had a bomb bay doors and with it being a smaller fighter it was able to it was able to to sort of avoid detection and yet still have the capabilities of fighting and bombing which is what they needed for this mission so they planned it they had a few sort of runs with a, a weighted flag essentially the flag had to be weighted so it it flowed down nicely out of the plane and it was a two-man flight, so he had a navigator with him who was uh, called George Fern, or he's actually called Gilbert Fern, uh, flight sergeant, um, but his nickname was George, no one called him Gilbert, and this was ready to go, basically. They'd planned it, they'd, they'd done a few test runs over Britain, over Britain, obviously, and this is what they were going to do. They had a backup target which was the Kriegsmarine headquarters. So for those of you who don't know, the Kriegsmarine was a German Navy, and that was the headquarters in France, uh, which was the former home of the French Naval Ministry, which was now the German Naval Ministry in France. So they had this backup target. If they couldn't get to the Champs-Élysées, and they couldn't get to the uh, the Arc de Triomphe, then they were to, to aim for this building and do the same. They had two flags just in case, um, and on the 5th of May 1942, uh, Gatwood and Fern began their practice raids in, in the English Channel. They used a shipwreck to, you know, to, to plan everything. So they used that to see if how the flag would fly, how they would be able to shoot and things like that. And they spent a lot of time looking at maps of Paris. So they needed to find the best way to get in, the best way to get up the Champs-Élysées, and the best way to get out of Paris. You know, at the end of the day, 
they may get there undetected, but once they are detected, they're going to be under a bit of flak. They made their first attempt at the raid on the 13th of May. When they went to take off, they encountered really bad weather over the French coast and were forced to turn around and abort the mission. They tried another couple of times. Uh, I haven't got specific dates for that, uh, but there is evidence to suggest they tried another couple of times in May to do this um, and again encountered really bad weather and had to abort the mission. On the 12th of June, Gatwood finally lost his patience and decided, this is it, we're going. Hell or high water, we're going. Um, And they took off at around 11.29 from Thorny Island in England, there was very heavy, sorry, very heavy rain at the time, and there were quite low clouds, which meant that realistically they probably should have aborted it again. But they didn't. They carried on, and they ended up crossing over into France at eleven fifty-eight. When they got into France, the clouds had disappeared, and there was bright sunshine. So. He made the right decision. He fought through the rain, and when he got to Paris, sort of half an hour later, they were they had good visibility for the for the raid. Now they passed over the suburbs of Paris at very very low altitude, and there was very little resistance from the Germans. So there was very little uh, what we call flak. So for those of you who who don't know, that is basically flak guns. So they are anti aircraft guns that would shoot. Um, there was very very little amount and uh, that may be due to the fact that he avoided all of the radar systems they didn't know he was there so as he's gone over they noticed the Eiffel Tower and they circled the Eiffel Tower at around half past 12 and when he does this he actually gets a crow that flies into the engine and this immediately makes the engine's temperature spike now, this would be a point where he probably thought, that's it, we're not coming back, because they're at such a low level, and this bird is going to basically destroy the engine. However, the um, engines on these Bristol Bow Fighters are very, very robust, and they actually managed to spit the bird out. Or, well... Now the story goes that they spit, it spit the bird out. Well, I don't actually think it left the engine, but what it did was it spat the bird into a position in the engine where it was no longer a problem. And the reason I say that because the bird is actually buried at RAF Northolt in uh, in London, so they actually got the bird back. So that's why I say I'm not sure. I don't think it actually spat the whole thing out, but it did move it to a position in the engine where the engine could work properly. And the the plane was absolutely fine to fly. And he carried on flying. And roughly 12.28, he banked to the left-hand side and headed towards the Champs-Élysées. Now, as he came up the Champs-Élysées, he can see all the French people in the streets that are waving and cheering and, you know, doing what they would do because they're seeing a British plane. Now, what he's surprised to see at this time, is there are no German soldiers on the Champs-Élysées. To this day, we still don't know why they decided not to parade on that day, but they didn't. They did not parade on that day, and he was not able to shoot up the Champs-Élysées and and take out out the, the German soldiers. So, you know, 
we we don't know why, like I said, but basically he carried on up the Champs Elysees, um, and when he got to the Arc de Triomphe, they opened the chute and let the flag out, and the flag fluttered down very nicely, and it actually landed on the grave of the unknown soldier, which is actually at the bottom of the Arc de Triomphe, and you know I think they were probably aiming to get it over the Arc de Triomphe, but. In all fairness, that's probably a better place for it to land. Um, the for those of you who don't know, the grave of the unknown soldier um, is a World War One grave, and it's there to commemorate all the soldiers who died in the First World War, who were never found, basically. So that's what that's there for. Um, and again, another reason why the Germans specifically picked the end of the parade that they did every day to this point was again just to rub it in the French face that yeah you might have beaten us 20 years ago uh, or 25 years ago but you're not going to beat us this time it was that sort of uh, again just making a a real point to the French people and just rubbing salt in the wounds anyway back to the story uh, Gatwood then attacked the uh, the Kriegsmarine headquarters in France um, and he actually opened fire on, them, on the building um, and shot into the building obviously again there's no evidence that he actually killed anybody or that anybody was injured or anything like that um, but then he flew over the building and dropped the second tricolor which is the French flag over that building as well uh, this all happened in roughly the space of about two minutes um, and he then turned at around 12.30 he then turned home and landed at RAF North Holt at uh, 1.53 so he uh, basically he did quite a good mission dropped two flags over obviously I, I know they were planning on seeing German soldiers over this um, obviously they didn't get any any German soldiers there to shoot but the morale boost and what it did for the the French resistance at the time was was quite big um, and it goes to show because both of uh, both men were awarded uh, with medals, Gatwood was immediately awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross and um, Flight Sergeant Fern was given the Distinguished Flying Medal. So both were actually given very good praises for this and essentially this was sort of a do-or-die mission. They they really didn't think they were going to come back from this. And I'll just give you a little bit of a an idea on Gatwood and how he was as a person. Um, he had to do a logbook. Now every every pilot does a logbook, same as sea captains do logbooks and things like that. Um, and this is what he wrote in his logbook. It was Paris, no cover, zero feet. Drop tricolors on Arc de Triomphe and Ministry Marine. Shoot up German headquarters, little flak, no enemy aircraft. Bird in starboard oil radiator. Return to North Holt and on command, 61 photos. Heavy rain over England, France fair to light, North Holt to Thorny, Thorny return base, air test. And that's all he wrote. And this is possibly one of the most daring missions that any pilot could take on. You know, he's flying on his own in a, in an aircraft with no backup into enemy territory, going straight for their headquarters, down their main boulevard where the rest of their army potentially was going to be 
parading up and down and showing off, then he has to turn around and go back after dropping two flags on two enemy buildings. Um, You know, it's not every day an, an Englishman gets the opportunity to attack Paris, so I think he probably took that one at quite a quite a nice idea of going, yeah, go on, we'll we'll attack Paris and you know attack Paris in possibly the nicest way an Englishman has ever attacked Paris. So um, it's it's a strange little story. Um, I know we have not had an episode this week or last week. Sorry, um, been very very busy at home. Uh, a lot of things going on, um, mainly decorating and you know sorting things out for kids going back to school after lockdown and things like that so just haven't really had time to to get an episode out which is why I'm giving you a I'll probably do another little episode at some point this week as well um, and get the main episode for those of you who haven't seen the Facebook picture and for those of you who think you might know the story you need to listen to this week's main episode, which is on the War of 1812. Now, I am talking about this war because I have spoken to a few Americans in regards to this war, and I feel that you guys are slightly misinformed in regards to this war. So that is why I will be giving you a British perspective on the War of 1812 and possibly change your opinion on what you think happened in that war and who you think won that war because it's very, very interesting and it's very different to what you guys are taught, to what we are taught. The British perspective of that war is very, very different and hopefully we can come to some sort of agreement on this show that you didn't win. So (laughs) we shall see. We shall see what you guys think. Have a listen. Uh, Get yourselves involved. If you're not on the Facebook group, get onto the Facebook group. It's so easy. This Week in History is on Facebook. Click in. Join us on there. We do have a Patreon page. There will be a new Patreon going up. And the Patreon for this week, guys, is the Teflon Don, John Gotti, the American gangster, the American mafia boss, uh, possibly the last real Don of the mafia. Very, very interesting story. Very, very different to what I'm used to. And we will be moving on to a new type of history on Patreon after this, which will be on serial killers not from the United States so that will be the newest episodes going on to Patreon so for those of you who are interested in your crime history into your gangsters or your serial killers you need to get over to Patreon Uh, it's $5 a month which is less than a cup of coffee and get yourselves on there you'll get access to all of my extra shows even if you're not interested in the extra shows, if you can get on there and support me, um, it's very, very important because that's, that is what keeps this show going is the Patreon support from you guys. It's uh, very, very much appreciated. And I love every single one of you that goes on there and does it because it's, you know, it makes my day to see a new Patreon member. Um, so thank you very much for that. Um, 
in regards to those of you who don't want to use Patreon, we do have PayPal um, for things like that if you are interested. And we also have an email address, which is twihpod at gmail.com. So if you do want to just drop me an email, if you're not on Facebook or you do want to get involved in the show, let me know. I do have one thing now. I will be putting this on the Facebook group. And I've noticed a few podcasts doing it. So if you are interested, please drop me a message either on Facebook or via email. Or if you're on Patreon, you can do it through Patreon. Some of other podcasts that I've been listening to have guests on the show. Now, I have had guests on the show before. They are normally other podcasters or they're my dad. My dad's on the show quite a bit and my dad will be on the show again in the very near future so for those of you who are who do enjoy my dad's shows keep a listen out because he's just done an absolute masterpiece on jack the ripper so this i can't wait for um that will be coming very shortly as soon as we're out of lockdown i'll be off to my dad's to record that so that one uh keep an ear out for because that will be very good however For those of you who are interested, if you have got a historical story or you have something that is very interesting that you find interesting that I haven't covered but you would like to cover, you can come on this show. If you do want to come on the show as a guest, I will quite happily set up a Zoom, we can do a recording and we can get a show out with you guys on it. So if you are interested in that, just drop me a message because we can always do that and I'm always happy to have fans on the show should you want to come on but anyway quite a lot of housekeeping there at the end but it stretches out the show so (laughs) there we go enjoy hope you all enjoyed that episode and we shall see you later this week for the war of 1812 keep you posted anyway guys just remember we all have history make yours great bye bye The world is always on, but you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. At Mattress Firm's Black Friday Now Sale, save up to 60% on Sealy, with queen mattresses starting at $279.99. Talk to a sleep expert today and unjunk your sleep. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. 
Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit GEICO.com local today.